Good morning and Happy New Year. I hope that God will bless each of you abundantly this coming this year, 2021. Uh, just a couple of things of information-wise as we get started on this year, and as I get started this morning, we are uh, scheduling, we already have scheduled the preaching through the end of May, anticipation that it's going to take us a little while to find a replacement for Josh. And most of that preaching, or almost all of it, with the exception of one weekend, uh, will be done by people in the congregation, uh, some of our ministry staff and some others of us who've had some experience will be doing the preaching and uh, we'll be concentrating on the book of Luke and the theme of hope. If there's anything our world needs right now, it's, it's hope. And so Luke is very good about talking about the underdog and those that are struggling with various things. And so we've chosen that to, to be our theme. Actually, uh, Daniel was supposed to preach this morning and they found out Tuesday or Wednesday that uh, he and Megan both tested positive for the COVID-19. They are don't have very severe symptoms at this point, at the last I heard, so uh, just keep them in your prayers. Obviously, they'll be quarantined for a little while and rather than pre-record the services uh, the live services also, we chose to just switch some things around and I will uh, bring the lesson today. And I hope it blesses you. It has blessed me in my study and in thinking uh, through this. Our story today comes from Luke, the seventh chapter. So if you have your Bible, just uh, grab it and we'll be reading together from the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> Luke says, When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking them to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation, has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a, myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had, seen, who had been sent returned to the house, and found the servant well. Several fascinating things about this this story, and don't have time to go into all of them, but this was an unusual man, an un unusual Gentile, probably a Roman, had a thousand men under his uh, his leadership. As that's the that's the word centurion. 
thousand Roman soldiers, and for him to be that well liked by the Jews, and for him to like the Jews well enough to go through this story is probably unusual. He doesn't go to Jesus himself, and he doesn't send his soldiers to find Jesus and bring him. He sends the elders of the Jews to find Jesus. And they have a high respect for the centurion. They uh, appreciate him. They, they say he's deserving of Jesus coming, which again is a little bit strange because most Jews would not think of centurions or Roman soldiers in that way. So there's some strange things uh, about this story that uh, I'd like to, to know a little bit more about, where he came from and why he was so well liked and why he had the, the respect for the Jews that he did and built their synagogue. But the, we don't know anything else about him. What I would like for us to, to explore though is his faith. The first question I would ask is, how did he know Jesus had such power that he could heal his servant? We don't know the answer to that. So we have to, to suppose, and I, I suppose that he had been hearing the stories about Jesus. They were pretty well broadcast by this time all over that particular region particularly since Jesus had kind of made uh, Capernaum and that area his headquarters. The stories about Jesus, for instance, calming the storm on the sea, speaking and saying, be still, and the winds obeyed him and the waves obeyed him. The stories about Jesus walking on the water. The stories about and and the centurion may have known one of these people, leper being healed, or someone possessed with a demon. The demon was cast out by Jesus and the person back to his normal state. The blind being able to see, paralyzed people walking. Maybe he heard about the multitudes being fed with very little food, that Jesus blessed them and fed 4,000 or 5,000. We don't know what stories he had heard about Jesus, but I'm sure he had heard some and had brought him to a point to, to realize that uh, this man is extraordinary. This man is doing things that nobody else can do, and maybe he can help my servant. He may have even, because he had a respect for the Jews, known some of the stories of in the Old Testament of the, the prophets of God and the, the things that God did in those stories. And so he may have had enough knowledge to know that this may be a prophet from God. This may be someone that uh, has powers that no Romans would ever have and none of his doctors would ever have. But he sends for Jesus for whatever reason and he has the faith to know that if Jesus just spoke the word, that his servant would be healed. And that's an extraordinary faith, and Jesus recognized that and commends him and says, I haven't even seen that kind of faith in Israel. And that's the second question I would, would pose is, why? 
Why didn't the Jews have that kind of faith? Why didn't the Jewish leaders, those that were skilled in the law and knew the Old Testament and knew uh, what prophets did and knew the things that would set a prophet aside from an ordinary man, why didn't they believe? Why didn't they have this kind of faith? In fact, the, the Jewish leaders would come to him and say such things like, by what authority do you, these, do, you do these things? But the centurion knew it had to come from God, but the Jewish leaders for some reason could not believe that. He was later to be able to tell them in Acts 2 that let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this, this Jesus had been made loath Lord and Christ. And it may be in that that we, we see part of the insight as to why the Jews had trouble believing. And maybe sometimes why we have trouble having this kind of faith. The Jews were looking for a Messiah that would uh, advance their own personal cause, would advance their own um, agenda, if you will, their own desire. The, the high priest and the priesthood wanted to be to be to it to be such that the Messiah would uh, help them maintain their status, help them maintain their their position, because they were thinking selfishly, quite frankly, about what it would do to them if this was the Messiah and he was opposing what they what would the Roman government do if this if we allowed this uh, Jesus to continue to be taught or this Jesus to continue to teach. In fact, it was because of that they eventually killed him, a threat to their authority, a threat to their own uh, agenda. They were looking for a Messiah, but they weren't looking for a Lord. Think about that just for a minute. <clears throat> they were looking for a Savior for the nation, a Savior from their oppression. They were looking for freedom but they weren't looking for someone to tell them what to do. They weren't looking for a Lord. They weren't looking for instructions. And their reaction to things like the Sermon on the Mount was, was that this is, this is against everything that we, we want, everything that we, you know, love, you love your enemy? That's unheard of. The enemies are the ones that oppress us. And so they weren't looking for a Lord to direct their lives. They were looking for a Messiah to allow them to continue to live the way they wanted to live. I don't know all the reasons why they couldn't uh, accept Jesus. Some did, but most did not. Now then, what's this got to do with us? <clears throat> In trying to think through this, we know several things that Jesus said. Matthew 28, he says that all authority both on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Authority. That's what the centurion recognized and had faith in. Jesus had authority. Authority to, to heal the servant. He'd been given that authority from somewhere other than the Romans, somewhere other than the Jews. And it came from God. John, the 20th chapter, John in writing to us, 
that Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Not only is he the Christ, but he's the Son of God, the one of authority, the one that God has transferred all authority to. In Ephesians, the first chapter, <clears throat> Paul writing this time says, beginning in verse 20, He talks about being, uh, when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, that's a lot of authority. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus has been bestowed by God with every power and authority there is. He's above everything that ever was created, ever can be created, every nation, every ruler, every authority that ever existed and will ever exist on this earth. So how's faith in that developed in us? How is it that we can have the faith in Jesus' authority to do whatever he asks or believe and trust in him to the fullest extent? First, I think it starts with a belief in God. As the Shema says, the Lord our God is one God. There's only one. There are no other powers. It's not multiple truths. It's not multiple revelations from multiple deities. In our culture, the practice is to pick up truths from many different deities and basically form our own religion, to form our own uh, authority for our lives. And you see that throughout our culture and throughout the religious groups in our culture. But there's only one God. Unless we believe what Paul says, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, then faith in him becomes very, very difficult. Not only do we have to believe in the one God and that he has revealed himself to us in his word, we need to tell the stories of God. We need to read the stories of God. Read the stories of the Bible. Read them to your children. Read them for yourself. Because those are stories are nothing but the revelation of God to us. The revelation of even the story we're looking at today is a revelation of the authority and the power of Jesus. The stories in the Old Testament are stories not about people as much as they are about God and how he deals with people. Particularly the book of Exodus. And in my opinion, maybe the book of Exodus, and I hesitate to say this, but I believe that it's, it may be true, that it may be the most significant book in all the Old Testament that reveals God to us. 
Read those stories. Think about those stories. What does it tell us about God? Read them to your children. Read them to each other. Tell them to each other. Because it's in those stories that we learn about God. The Gospels are stories and story after story about Jesus and his interaction. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So those stories are, are vital for our faith. And as we look at those stories, we begin to, to have faith in a God that never changes, the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and a God that's always faithful. He always does what he says. He always keeps his promises. He never changes. He is the same God in Genesis 1 as he is in 2021. He is a God that is consistent and faithful. Then I would suggest that you look at your own experience and the experience of those around you. How has God blessed you? How has God acted in your life? What has he done? Go back through your life. Go back through 2020. What's God done? How's he worked in your life? How's he worked in the lives of those that you love? How's he worked in the lives of your family? Hasn't he always been faithful? Hasn't he always done what's best for you? I can give you story after story after story of my experience with God that has caused me to have the faith that I have now. To trust Him completely, at least I try to trust Him completely. In fact, uh, and I don't want to go into detail on this right now, I'd be glad to talk to, to any of you about it, but He has been very faithful to me. He has been very faithful to Carolyn and I through her illness and through her death and since that death he has demonstrated to me he's a God that I can absolutely completely trust in and will do so the rest of my life. So look at your life. Look at how God has blessed you. My faith is stronger now because of the things that God has done in my life and the stories of the Bible than it has ever been. And I think I believe that it'll continue to do so. So that's how faith is built. You believe in God, you trust in God, you look at the stories of God, you look at who he is and what he has done and his faithfulness. You look at the way he's been faithful to you and to those that you love and those that you know. And then your faith begins to grow. You begin to trust him more. And let me close with a a very interesting passage from Luke that we'll probably, someone will probably preach on a little bit later this year. But in Luke the 18th chapter, the first eight verses, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And we think of this as about prayer. And it is, but it's more than that. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice 
so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then he says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What a question. If Jesus were to come back today, how much faith would he find among us? How have we let our faith grow? Would, we, would he find us trusting him completely? Or would he find us like the Jews of Jesus' time, looking more for a religion, a God, a Savior that saves us from our sins, but we don't want him to be our Lord. We don't want to trust him with our lives completely. Would he find us still holding on to what we want rather than looking for his will? Would he find us as a church looking for our own satisfaction, our own desires, rather than searching diligently for what he wants in us and in his church? I don't know the answer. You have to answer it in your own heart. But pray about it. Let me end with a prayer and a blessing. Father, teach us to trust you. Grow our faith. Help our unbelief. Help us to trust you completely with not only our lives, but your will in our lives. Help us to search diligently as individuals and as a church for your will, for your will, your will to be done to your glory. The blessing I want to leave with you today comes again from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And this is the, his letter in the second letter. He says, Now may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I hope you have a blessed Sunday, a blessed week, and a blessed 2021.